Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to First Nazarene. Thank you so much uh, for being here today. Uh, For those of you here in the room, it is wonderful to see your smiling faces. For those of you online, thank you as well for joining us today. Uh, It is good to be here. Many of you, you're here every single week, and you've been here every week of this Rhythms series, learning about different rhythms you can introduce into your life to let God speak to you and shape and form you into the people that he has created you to be. Uh, As I look around the room or saw in the lobby uh, today too, and some of you online, maybe today is your very first time with us here at First Nazarene. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, This is a church where our, our goal is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We hope that as you come into this place, uh, that you experience a life-giving community that will point you to Jesus and help you grow closer to him. So thank you for being here. And before I get into the message today, uh, I just wanted to encourage you. I would really love for you to make plans to be here next Sunday. Uh, You just heard in the announcement about the soup or bowl on Super Bowl Sunday. I hear there's a team playing on the Super Bowl that uh, I may be a fan of. Uh, more than that, so you get it, soup or bowl is happening on Super Bowl Sunday. You see that? Okay, soup or bowl. Uh, and like Pastor Phil mentioned uh, in our announcement earlier, I would encourage you to come and view this as a community event. Space together for the church to come together to see others, to get to know new people. Yes, you'll get to try some chili and desserts and some different things, but to be a part of that. More than that, uh, next Sunday uh, is going to be a great day of celebration. Next week, I'm calling it Rewind Fast Forward. It's really a kind of the state of the church address, if you will, to say over 2022, Here's how God has blessed us. Here's what he has done. And especially I think about like those who are new to our church. It's a great kind of introduction to say, look what God has done in the last year. So rewind and then fast forward, a look ahead. Here's what I think we'll be going as a church in 2023, what we'll be focusing on together. Uh, And we we do want to make it a day of celebration. We'll share some statistics, but it's more than that, some stories of God transforming people's lives. And because some of you, if if that doesn't get you excited at all, there's going to be a donation donut wall in the lobby so you can come and get your donuts, and some of you that excites you, I don't know. And so make, make plans to join us next week uh, for Rewind Fast Forward as well. Well, today, uh, the final week of our series entitled Rhythms. Uh, just a little recap, uh, if you haven't been here, we focused on the rhythm of rest, talking about Sabbath, a rhythm of prayer, which is really the foundation of this life with God. How do I live in relationship with God? How do I make sure God is a part of everything I'm doing? Rhythm of prayer. And then last week, the rhythm of margin, making room around the edges for God to use us in the world, to let his love be known to the world through us. And then this week, the rhythm of work. Some of you are like, oh, Galen, you know, rhythm of rest and Sabbath, rhythm of margin and making room around the edges. So we just get to like sit back and relax. And that's the Christian life, right? Well, no, there's some work to be done, too. The rhythm of work, and I hope you see, 
And if you're new, you can go back and you can go on the app or YouTube and you can watch all these services. Because if you build each one of these rhythms into your life, there's a culminating effect that with every new rhythm, then you begin to live your life differently. Your habits, your patterns, your rhythms change and help you grow closer to God. And this rhythm of work today, uh, I recognize that most of us already have this rhythm built in. For some of us, we hadn't been practicing Sabbath or prayer or margin, but for this one, it's probably already built into your life. So instead of starting something new, today I want to want us to look at our mindset and our attitudes. How do we look at our work? This entire series, I've been saying this, God cares about every little thing we do. Our goal is to take everything, our ordinary life, and place it before God as an offering. Romans 12 says, to be a living sacrifice, offer that to God. And some of you would say, like, God in my workplace just feel opposite. There's nothing sacred about my workplace. Why would God care about my job and my boss? And, the, and today I want to say, I think God deeply cares. And actually, our work is one of the most important thing that God cares about. And I hope that Jesus today may alter your mindset about your rhythm at work. And if so, that could dramatically change the rest of your life. Today, I want to start by asking you, what is your relationship with work? I want you to think of it in terms of provision and purpose. Provision and purpose. Just a couple different mindsets that you might have in your relationship towards work today. I want to walk through each of these. Maybe some of you today, you're, and when you think about work, you, have, you may say the phrase or have the mindset of, why should I have to work? Why should I have to work? Maybe your provision is already taken care of. Maybe a spouse has provided that for you. Maybe you have entered into the age and stage of retirement and you're like, I have worked for 40 years. I don't want to work another day in my life. I'm done. Why should I have to work? Do I really have to work? I think there's two sides of this. One may just be, hey, I'm finished. I've done that work. I, I want to rest. But sometimes there is one side of this that is on the side of laziness. Like, I just don't really want to. I just don't want to have to show up somewhere and clock in and clock out and have people expect things of me. I just don't really want to. If you go read the book of Proverbs, it's a book of wisdom. It's loaded, jam-packed full of wise sayings of how to live for God. And the book of Proverbs speaks against laziness quite a bit. And watch this. It's fairly aggressive. This is from Proverbs 6. A little extra sleep. A little more slumber, a little more folding of the hands to rest. I just want to sleep in a little bit longer. I just want to sit in my big armchair and put my hands like this on my belly and just, and just rest. The back half of this. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. I told you it's fairly aggressive. Saying, no, don't live a life of laziness. No, if you do this, then these things will happen. Or again from Proverbs 12. A hard worker has plenty of food. A person who chases fantasies has no sense. Don't be lazy. Go and do work. I think about, some of you know your Old Testament and your Bible stories. David on a rooftop. And you know that chapter and uh, it begins, uh, during the spring, the time when kings normally go off to war. 
David should be doing a job. He should be leading the army. He should be with his people, but eh, this year, I don't want to do it. So he finds himself on a rooftop where he should not be, glancing over and seeing a woman bathing. Most of you know this story. Leads to adultery, which leads to murder, which leads to lying to cover it up. It all started with him not doing what he should be doing. One side is laziness, but I'd say the other side of this, maybe you're not lazy. You have worked and you have worked and you have worked, and now you are in that stage of retirement. And obviously, I can't speak as one uh, from that perspective, but here's my hunch. For those of you that are retired, or for those of you that um, don't have to go and show up for work, maybe you work inside the home, my guess is this, and I would say this. If you are not working for the good, and I don't mean like work to collect a paycheck, for the good of other people, I would imagine that over time you would begin to feel a sense of purposelessness creep into your soul. Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing in this season? Scripture says that we were created to do good works, Ephesians 2. There is actually work to be done. Yes, it may not be collecting a paycheck, provisions taken care of, but what about purpose? Sometimes purpose is connected to work, sometimes it's not, but we are all supposed to be doing good works. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God had prepared in advance for us to do. So what are we doing that is good? What are we doing that is benefiting others? Think of Jesus, who lovingly, selflessly, serving, gives up his life for the sake of the world. And this is the Jesus we say we follow. So if we follow him in that way, how are we lovingly, selflessly serving, giving away our life for the sake of others, doing good works for them, good and generous works? And for those of you that may be stay-at-home parents or retired grandparents, I would say this, and maybe if you get nothing else out of today, this would be your nugget that you would take home, you would repeat it to yourself, you'd print a picture of it, and you'd put it in your home, and you would always remember, not only for you, but for all of us. And it's this. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God, the greatest thing you will do for the kingdom of God, may actually be not something that you do, but somebody that you raise. Maybe not something that you do, but someone you will raise. Who, not what are you doing, how are you doing it, who are you pouring your life into? Teaching them about Jesus, shaping them, molding them to be a disciple of Jesus who follows him. Your greatest contribution may be someone you raise. The second category, maybe your mindset, your relationship towards work. Maybe you'd say the phrase, I'll be home late tonight. And probably every night. Some of us struggle and with a little bit of uh, workaholism is a, the bad word for it, but maybe self-driven and motivated and long workers would be the positive side of it. But that we probably work more than we should. And frankly, I don't need to put hours to that. I, I think you know within your heart, do I probably work more than I should? I think workaholism happens for a lot of reasons, but maybe for one. It develops because we misjudge or miscalculate our purpose through what we do instead of who we belong to. We're trying to earn something or provide enough security or earn respect. So we do more and we do more and we do more. And I would say this, and I get this. 
Sometimes some of us feel this way, and I've heard this. It's easier to be the star in the office, in the workplace. Man, you are well-respected. People look up to you. People want your opinion. People need to hear from you. It feels good. And then when you go home, you're actually reminded of all the things that you haven't done, the project list that's not there. You get no respect, and sometimes it feels easier to stay at work. And if that's you, I would just remind you today, it is startling And you know this because you've experienced. It is startling that when you leave the workplace, how fast they can find a replacement and how quickly your contributions can be forgotten. So then we think of our children, our grandchildren, those that we serve, those that we take care of, those that we mentor, those in our life group. That little moments along the way with them, in contrast of being forgotten, will be remembered forever. I would remind you today Think about the legacy that will be left. It's scary how fast the workplace just forgets, but among your family, could you leave a better legacy there? Even if it's harder, what does it look like to go home and love and serve? I've said this before, Mother Teresa's famous quote. Maybe the most important work of all is to go home and love your family. That's what she says. And if this is you, I would just say this. Let God call you out on it and respond to it. Go home. Love those outside of your workplace and don't shy away from it. Remember Jesus' words. Picture Jesus walking around with the disciples and he looks up. He says, hey, look at the birds. See how they fly around, they flutter, not a care in the world, enjoying the beauty of all creation. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store away food in barns for their security. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they value? Your value doesn't come from what you do. Your value comes from whose you are. It's not about what you can produce or how successful you can become. It's that your father in heaven would say, you are my beloved child. Maybe a third mindset you'd say, well, I've never, uh, or I've never had to work a day in my life. I've never had to work a day in my life. And for me, this mindset is this. We're talking about provision and purpose. Maybe your job actually serves not only as your provision, but also in your purpose. Some of you know, man, I feel like God has called me to do this. He's uniquely gifted me and wired me and given me these experiences so that I can actually do those in my workplace. Not My work actually can bring me fulfillment. Man, I think of doctors. Man, I want to make a difference, and I want to help people, and I get to do that through my work. I think of teachers. I want to turn around to the next generation and leave a legacy within them. Maybe teaching is um, the area that you can do that. For me, this is where I align in this category. I want to spend my life making disciples of Jesus, and I've been blessed to be able to work at a place where I get to do that, not only for purpose, but for provision. This category is fairly self-explanatory, so I won't spend too long in this, but I would say this. If you are in this category, you feel like your job serves your purpose, I would also say this. Be careful that you don't pull your purpose from what is perceived success. Man, I'm doing this and I'm doing well. Just because you're good at it, don't make your purpose come from there. I think of it this way. It was a cold January morning. This violinist sets up shop in Washington, D.C., He's sitting in the metro area, and he begins to play a violin. He plays his violin for about 45 minutes. 
During that time, it was calculated that thousands of people went through the Metro DC station, most of them on their way to work. And the 45 minutes that he played, about six people stopped and listened for a while. About 20 gave him some money. Basically, as they were continuing to walk by, they just threw something in. He collected a total whopping of $32. When he finished playing, silence took over. Nobody noticed and nobody cared. No one applauded and there was no recognition. Those that were walking by did not realize the person that was playing the violin, his name was Joshua Bell. He was one of the best musicians in the entire world. During his 45 minutes of playing, he played six Bach pieces, including one of the most intricate pieces to ever be written for the violin. The violin itself that he was holding and playing was worth $3.5 million. Two days before playing in the subway, Joshua Bell had sold out a theater in Boston, and seats were well over $100 apiece. He was playing in the subway as a sociological experiment to see if people would notice eloquence, beauty, value, and genius as they walked by in their ordinary, everyday life. And you know what they found? People don't notice. So let me tell you, you may be doing a good and important work. You may be a person of eloquence, of beauty, of genius, and of value, just because the people in your world don't realize it doesn't mean it's not there. Don't let your environment dictate your worth. Only God should be able to do that. Some of you are living in the lane of your purpose. You are doing exactly what God has called you to do. You are loving God and serving other people, yet you've been struggling with the thought, why doesn't anybody notice me? Why has God not elevated me? Why am I not seeing more results from what I'm doing? It's like nobody notices and nobody cares. I would remind you today, success in the kingdom of God looks very much different than the way that the world defines success. Success in the kingdom of God is faithfulness. I've done what God has called me to do, and that is all that matters. It's not for applause. It's not for a stage. It's not for promotion. God, I've done what you have called me to do. That is what matters. When we get home to heaven, God doesn't look at us and say, welcome home, my good and successful servant. Welcome home, my good and wealthy servant. Welcome home, my good and people-pleasing servant. Welcome home, my good and retweeted and followed and famous servant. Welcome home, my good and faithful servant. For you have lived life with me you have responded to me. Loving God, serving others, faithfulness is what matters most. So if you have been faithful in loving God and serving others, stop thinking less of yourself because of your environment. Keep doing what God has called you to do. And know that your value comes from God because he says, you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. Keep doing the good work. Finally, today, the, the last perspective that we might share is, I work so that I can. And I saved this one for last because I feel like this is probably the majority of us. 
Maybe your mindset towards work is, yes, I work there to collect a paycheck so that I can. And then you finish that sentence however you want. For some of you, it's so I can live for the weekend. So I can go on the vacation that I want to. So that I can have the freedom to however you fill in the blank. But, so your work takes care of your provision. But what do you do with the circle of purpose in your life? Everything I just mentioned is not bad. You should have a weekend. You should go on vacations. You should do these things. But ultimately, if you're looking to those things to provide you purpose in your life, it will fall short. Purpose is always connected to something much, much bigger and greater. And I would say it this way. Meaning and purpose are always tied to the things of God and to loving and serving others. Man, you can go on that vacation. You can have that experience. You can do that thing, and it's great in the moment, and then it's fleeting. So I say it has to be connected to the things of God. It has to be eternal. It has to have eternal significance. It makes a difference in the long term. And then it has to be serving others. You do it for yourself, that's good for a time, but eventually you will pass away and it will be forgotten. What we do when it's connected to the mission and value of God in service to be others will be remembered for an eternity. So if you're looking for purpose, it must come in some way connected to the things of God and serving others. Think of it this way. If you came in to my office and said, hey, I'm looking to do something, I say, okay, well, I would never say this because I don't know anything about this world, but here's some bricks and some mortar. I need you to make a building. It's going to take a while. It's going to be hard work. It's going to be in the summer. It's going to be hot. Here's the bricks. Here's the mortar. Here's the little tool. See, that's how little I know about this. Here's the tool. Get it done. Go build a you say, every day I'm going to go build bricks. What do we, bricks, why? Now what if I said, hey, here's some tools, bricks, some mortar, little tool with it. I need you to build a building. This building is going to be a church. And I can see it now, man, God has shown it to me. If you could build this building, I know God is going to bless it. People are going to come. People are going to enter into a, a growing relationship with Jesus. It's going to change their life, their children's life, and generations to come. All it takes is a little bit of work. Do you think you could do it? You tie something to a God-ordained vision that is loving and serving to others, and all of a sudden we can find purpose in even the most mundane tasks. I'd say it this way. For those of you in the room, you look and you see John on the camera. You see Ben on the camera. There's people downstairs you don't see pushing buttons. Is it really that hard to take a camera and move it? Honestly, I don't move a whole lot in the first place, so it's, they just kind of sit there most of the time. Is this work important? Do you realize that online, people will get to hear the good news of Jesus in a way that in ages past, we've never been able to share the good news. In the last month, three different people who watch online said, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus because of what I'm hearing today. Oh, hey, we need to sit you in a chair and move? Not much purpose. Tie it to a God-ordained vision. Do you see what God could do with this? Do you know that lives are being changed because you serve? All of a sudden, it has purpose again. So tie your life to something of God and serve others. Colossians 3 says it this way, and this is our big verse uh, for today, this one, if you want to go back to this week, these next two. Colossians 3. Whatever it is that you do, work at it with all of your heart. As if you were working for the Lord and not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance 
from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ whom you are serving. An inheritance. You think you receive your provision from your boss. Remember, actually work as if Jesus was your boss instead because ultimately your inheritance, your provision will come from him. Work as if you were working for Jesus. And then this line, I wish you could memorize this. Whatever you do or say, whatever you do, whatever kind of work inside the home, outside the home, whoever you work with, whatever you do and say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, to God the Father. Whatever you do, you are the representative of Jesus. Could you look at those in your workplace Obviously, again, it doesn't feel sacred. It's Monday morning. I got to get up. I got to go again. My boss, whoop, they don't love Jesus. It's hard to work for them. The people under me, I just wish they would do what they're supposed to do. <sighs> now, insert. If Jesus was my boss, how would I work? Or because Jesus isn't my boss, and I'm supposed to be the representative of Jesus to my boss, how should I work? What should I do? What should I say? What should I not say? Oh, but Galen, you don't know my boss. Oh, they're the worst. Keep in mind the context of this, Colossians 3. Paul's actually writing this to slaves. Whoever your master is, be Jesus to them. You have employees under you? What would it look like to be Jesus to your employees? You have coworkers that love to have fun and do crazy things at the expense of others. What would Jesus do? in that environment. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Some of you know that your workplace is incredibly dark. If the light lives within you, how should you be different? And once you begin to live in this way, your coworkers, some of you know this, you've experienced it, your coworkers will look at you, why are you different? And this is your opportunity to tell them about Jesus. I used to be a waiter for the longest time. I loved working outside of the church. Do you know why? Here, most of the people I hang out with are Christians. Outside, I would get all kinds of questions. Why are you are the way you are? Why do you do this? Why do you not do this? Why did you say this to me? Ah, now I have an opportunity to share with you about Jesus. And here's the most important thought today. No matter where you work, if you're a student, if you're retired, anybody. Here's the most important thought I want to leave you with today. While you may not think your work is important, remember that those who you work with are important to God. If everyone is made in the image of God, they have value. God loves them. He wants a relationship with them. I know that's really hard to remember when it's a hard day at work. But remember that they too are important to God. I would say it this way. Uh, one of the jobs I had well, waiting tables was at Chili's when I was in college. I love Chili's. You can chips and salsa with their ranch. is heaven on earth. I love that place. I was a waiter there, and I had um, just switched my degree to become a ministry major, studying to become a pastor. Um, I was working at Chili's as a full-time or as a full-time student, part-time job on top of an internship, trying to help pay uh, for my school. There were good days and there were bad days on the job. When you get paid two dollars an hour and your whole income comes on tips, there are good days and there are bad days. I remember one day I go into work and I worked kind of over on. Um, the bar side, and um, I came in at 3.30. There's not a lot of people eating dinner at 3.30. No one comes in, and so they didn't schedule a bartender, but I knew how to make drinks, and so if people came in, it was my job uh, to do that for them. 
And there was a guy who come in. We were right next to a truck stop. And he walks in, and it's been a slow day. Honestly, I had a hard day at school. I had no sleep. I was on edge. I did not want to be at work. It's slow. I'm not making any money. My mindset is, why am I here? I should just go home. This is not worth it today. I knew my mindset was bad. I knew I needed to change it. No one's coming in. So I go, and I walk behind the bar, and I take my Bible, and I set it down, and I open up to Romans, and I just start reading. And this guy walks in. He's a very, very large man. Um, very long kind of hair. Uh, he's a truck driver because the truck stop was right there. He had a black leather vest on. If I didn't know he was a truck driver, I honestly thought I, he was like a motorcycle type guy. Uh, hopefully that gives you the pictures. Big, kind of hardened, hard face man. And he sits down at the bar. Hey, good afternoon, sir. How you doing? Doing good. All right. What can I get for you? Hey, I want a tall beer and some chips. Yes, sir. All right. So we get... Here's a drink, here's the chips. And anyone who just starts with chips and like just the whole basket for themselves, that's my kind of person, like whatever. So he sits down and he starts to eat. And I just sit down and just keep reading my Bible. I need a mindset, Jesus, help me. I do not want to be here. So I go back to the kitchen. I come back out. Hey, you ready to order? He goes, yeah, I'm ready to order. And he goes like this to like raise his hand. When he does, he hits that 24-ounce tall beer over right all over my Bible. I'm like, Ugh. he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I was like, dude, it's okay, it's okay. He's like, man, I'm going to hell because I spilt my beer on a Bible. <laughs> to which me, you know, being the train, becoming to be trained a pastor, I said, yes, sir, you are. That's right. <laughs> That's not what I said. I said, no, man, it's okay, it's okay. We, I can get a new one if it's ruined, but I'll dry it out. It'll be okay. But this man was, like, visibly upset. And I was like, you really think God would let you go to hell for spilling a beer on a Bible? I'm always careful with my language. I don't think God sends people to hell. God allows us to choose what we've been choosing all along. Do you really think God would let you go to hell because you spilled a beer on a Bible? Oh, well, it's, it's not just that, man. Like, you don't know me. You don't know the things that I've done. I said, you're right. I don't. But in the time of life that I was in at that point. So listen, I know. I, I don't know you. But let me just tell you this. In my last two years of living, man, I have lied. I have cheated. I have stolen. I got arrested. But Jesus still was calling me. And I chose one day in church to say, Jesus, I'll follow you. But I know if I'm doing this thing, I got to be all in. And you know what? Reading this Bible that you just poured your beer over, it says that God will forgive us. And he gives us a new hope and a new future. All we need to do is turn to him. That guilt, that shame, that past you carry, turn to him. Because he can forgive you and give you a brand new life. Man, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm living it. I'm seeing it. I'm experiencing it. Did you know you can do that too? Big grown man starts weeping at the bar of chilies. Always remember, you may hate your job. You may dislike the people that you work with, but the people that you encounter are important to God. And if God is using you as a representative of his message and of his love, then show them who Jesus is. Don't give God a bad name by the way that you act, the things that you do, or the things that you say. Show them that there is a God who loves them by the way that you love them too. Finally today, just a blessing. 
from Psalm 90, any time for your work, and I would pray this over you and whatever work you have. Psalm 90, 17. May the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, may he make our efforts successful. Would you bow your heads and close your, close your eyes and pray with me? Jesus, today, I'm well aware that you may be wanting to speak to some of us. Just as the message that was shared in a bar over a beer over a Bible is the same one for us today. That if we would turn from our sins, turn from the way of living for ourselves and trying to accumulate and do things for ourselves, make ourselves happy, just look inside to find meaning and purpose, God, if we're honest, it has led us to a place of purposelessness, of no value, of wanting more. God, I know this, not because I know the people that are here, because it's the way you've designed life, that we would find abundant life, grace and forgiveness and mercy and new life and new hope and new future and a way forward because of Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection and the invitation into new life. If there's anybody here today and you say, that's the kind of thing that I need. I need God to forgive me. I need God to give me new life. Just right where you are today, in the room and online, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand, all heads bowed and all eyes closed. Would you raise your hand and say, God, forgive me of my sin. Give me new life. Give me a new hope and a new future. Would you put your hands down? This is the invitation from God. By grace, we are saved. Not because of our works, not because we're good people but by faith and grace and the Son of God. And then, as Ephesians 2 goes on, now he has made you new, for you are a masterpiece created to do good works. God, this week, no matter our age, no matter our position, our station in life, working inside the home, outside the home, retired, would you give us a new, inspired vision of the good works that we can do for those in our life? Help our life to be less about what we can contribute to a company and instead more about the legacy that we can leave, a legacy of love and of faith, family, and those around us. God, help us to do the good works. And God, I pray specifically for those that are hearing this that are saying, you don't know my workplace and how difficult it is. God, would your light shine bright through those that are here today. Help us to see people not as an annoyance or as a frustration, but as important and valuable to you. And help us to live as representatives of your gospel to them. We love you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. And thanks again for joining us for the first NAS podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc engage, or you can download our app from the app store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.